So the reading is taken from um, the first book of John, um, chapter 2, beginning at the 28th verse, um, and this is on page 1,226 of the Church Bibles. So 1 John, chapter 2, verse 28. And now, dear children, continue in him, so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves, just as he is pure. Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins. And in him is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Dear children, Do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning, because they have been born of God. This is how we are to know who the children of God are, and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother and sister. What happens if you like rich tea biscuits? I work with a lovely man called Charlie who has what I describe as a perma smile. So whenever I see him, his smile puts a smile on my face. Now the problem is when I come up the front of church, my smile disappears. So please know that inside there is a smile and I think there is a spiritual gift that isn't mentioned in the Bible and that is about listening to a talk. And that gift is, if you have a smile, then that will bring out the smile in me. So please exercise that gift for me this morning. Um, I want to start this morning uh, with a health warning. Last week it was Antichrists. This week it's Children of the Devil. We're in a part of this letter, 1 John, uh, which is pretty uncompromising. 
So we need to remember that these words were written by the Apostle John, uh, probably closest confidant to Jesus, with him for three years, eating, drinking, walking, talking. John knows what he's talking about. And just because these words uh, may feel hard-hitting at times, it doesn't mean they're not loving and they're not true. So we need to be humbled. Uh, Asking God to help us to receive them, to teach and change us as he intends. So let me lead us in a prayer. Father God, please would you do just that. Humble us now before your mighty throne to receive your words in a way which is to our good and to your glory. Just as you have spoken in the past, you still speak today. We praise you for all you are and all you have done in your son's name. Amen. I felt like living again, more or less everything opened up for me. Um, I started feeling like I'm a human being again. That would win the middle to me. If you haven't seen the Windermere Children on TV, then let me commend it to you. Um, As we remember the 75th anniversary, uh, the victims of the Holocaust, this TV drama tells the real-life story of a group of young Holocaust survivors who were brought to the lakes in 1945. And at the end, um, there's a group of men who are still surviving are introduced alongside those that play them. And it leaves a lasting impression. Here's another one. Winnemere is my first home in England, which means that I've always got an allegiance to it. I am a citizen of a state. I am proud of it. A lot, a lot. When I show my British passport, I know who I am. When I show my British passport, I know who I am. Well, who do you think you are? Who or what? defines you. Let me speak to those in Grafted, uh, our young adults, for a moment. Uh, You see, when I used to help on camps, 
And let me say my amen to Scott's notice from last week when he was encouraging helpers for the summer because uh, these summer camps for, the, uh, for our young people, I think they were probably the getting going of my Christian life. So if that's something that you may be able to help with, do bear that in mind. But on these camps, we used to always have this seminar on identity. And it wasn't until years later that I really got what they were on about. I probably ran one without having a clue what it was. Story of my life. I'm not an expert on social media, um, and of course there are loads of good things about it. But grafted, uh, young men, young women, um, if we're not careful, we can allow it to shape our identity, who we think we are. So what others think of me, my popularity, my reputation, can become all-important. Exam results, academic success, my looks, body image. One day I'm up here, a few spots later, I'm down here. Can you see how these things can become controlling, defining? And as we go on, it may be our work in which we find our identity. So we're asked what we do for a living. I'm a doctor. We feel good about ourselves. I'm at home all day, or I deliver newspapers. We can feel crushed by how we sense others value our use of time. Or it could be relationships, our significant other, or our family. There are all these things, good things, but which, if we're not careful, we can let define us, say who we are. Who do you think you are? But what if we let our maker define us? What if we find our identity in him? My story, and it's been a slow burn, has been that it's liberating, freeing me to be who I am, who he's made me to be. And so to our first point on our service sheet, uh, I'm a child of God. What a privilege and joy. If you've been a follower of Jesus for any length of time, you'll know that it's struggle. But rather than hear that as discouragement, hear that as encouragement, because that's exactly how the Bible tells us it's going to be. So across the page, last week, David was teaching us, verses 15 to 17, uh, we've got the bright lights of the world, our pleasure, our comfort, Uh, pulling us away from Jesus. Then verse 18 onwards, it's possible for people, shockingly, even those who were once part of the church family, to lead us astray. And so we come to verse 28. John writes, And now, dear children, continue in him. Well, we had at the beginning of the service from Colossians. It's the rooted word. Stay rooted in Jesus. So that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. So John is on our side. He wants us to be confident about who we are. Unashamed. Not fearful of that appointment with our maker that awakes all of us. How that appointment is going to play out when we come face to face with him. Chapter 3, verse 1. 
see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. You see, this is another champagne moment. I'm not going to waste any more on you. Uh, This time it's John going off on one. See, better translated perhaps, behold, take hold of. You see, this love is not just a head thing, it's a heart thing. It's to be experienced. Just as John had enjoyed God's love firsthand during those three years with him, so Jesus wants the same thing for us. It takes time. It's a slow burn. But God's love is an experiential, embodied kind of love, not remaining dry and dutiful up here. And it's lavish. What a brilliant word, eh? It blows apart the lie that God is the great taker. Do business with him and your life will be poorer for it. I fell for that as a teenager. I had a friend who used to uh, talk to me about Jesus, invite me to church, invite me to youth group. And I used to say to him, Bill, come back when I'm 60. Well, do you know what? It's gone in a flash. I'm three years off. What an idiot. I used to think 60 was old. <laughs> you see, my, my life has been so rich, so full, so meaningful for knowing that I'm a child of God. His love is lavish. So where does this childhood start and how does it finish? Well, I remember being at a service for one of my um, children's um, church school assemblies Um, Church was packed with children, teachers, parents. And during the course of it, the minister proclaimed, we're all children of God. It sounds lovely, but no. We are all made in God's image. But to be a child of God, well, verse 29, it means to be born of him. Verse 9, down the page. Born of God. Born of God. And perhaps John has in mind here the story of, that he tells in his gospel about Nicodemus going to Jesus at night because he's both scared and excited. He wants to know more. He wants answers. And Jesus tells him, Nick, you've got to be born again. Truly, I tell you, Jesus says, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Well, I don't know if any of those men at the end of the Windermere children know Jesus. But in one sense, they'd been born again, hadn't they? Starting life all over, from holocaust to hope, changing citizenship, When I look at my British passport, I know who I am. And to be born of God, born again, is to have a new start. And it begins in the words of uh, 23, uh, chapter 2, by acknowledging, recognizing the Son. To know the beauty of Jesus' life, who he is and what he's done for you. Living, dying, rising again. It's not to know everything. Uh, You may know very little, but the little you do know of Jesus is enough to want to know more. And what better day to start today 
Ask of God and he will give you himself, his life-changing spirit. Because remember, his love is lavish. Struck by Hilda's notice. It's funny that we got it today, isn't it? I can tell you that uh, knowing what goes on on a staff team behind the scenes, that's absolute fluke. That wasn't planned. But God knew because actually... To be a child of God is to be adopted into his family. We are all adopted children if our hope is in his son. So if that's how you become a child of the living God, look what we've got to look forward to. Here's another wow moment, verse 2. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, you see, we live between these two great advents, Two comings. He has appeared in the past and he will appear. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. Wow! We shall see Jesus as he is. Look at that smile on Derek's face. What an example to us all. I don't think that means as the disciple saw him at his first coming, ordinary looking fellow that you could walk past in the street. No, we shall see Jesus as he is. No longer, as Steve was saying, at the carol service, veiled in flesh, but now unveiled, his glory revealed. Peter, James and John had a sneak preview on the Mount of Transfiguration. We will be open-mouthed and spellbound. I can tell you about... Uh, Windermere. I can tell you about the Lake, Lake District. You can uh, read the books. You can see the pictures. But it's not until you're standing on the top of Great Gable, Scarfell, on a clear summer's day. Wow. Pales into comparison to what is in store for us. And we shall be like him. All my failings, all those things that you find irritating about me. Don't you long for that day? I do. We shall be like him, perfect, made in the image of God to reflect God's glory and wonderfully that image no longer marred but perfected. Who do you think you are? Crafties, young adults, all of us with all these worldly values competing for our attention and seeking to define us, will we listen to our maker and find our identity in Christ, knowing before all else, I'm a child of God. And John talks here in terms of uh, children, not child, because the Christian life is never individualistic, but it's church church meaning assembly gathering we're in it together like it or not we're given to each other we need each other i'm a child of god what privilege and joy secondly then i'm a child of god what responsibility verse three all who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure everyone who breaks the law in fact Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. 
But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins, and in him is no sin. There's great division in these verses that follow between Jesus and the devil. Uh, Jesus' work and the devil's work, doing right, keeping God's law, doing wrong, sinning. It needs unpicking, but I think the simple point is, if you're a child of God, part of his family, you will live according to the family rules. I've said this before, but one of the unwritten rules in the Newman family is table manners. You know, that no elbows on the table, not speaking with your mouthful kind of stuff. Uh, I've got it so bad that I've been known even to pull guests up. (laughs) That's not good. And yes, before you get there, sadly into my shame, I don't live up to my own standards. So while it would be appropriate if you came around to dinner to live, to eat, in a way that respects our family values, the point I want to make is that I wonder if we can sometimes see sin as as God's thing. So God's got this hang-up about sin, a bit like Richard has about table manners. In other words, it doesn't really matter. No. Sin, verse 4 is lawlessness. Failing to recognize the one who has given us this beautiful law which teaches us how to, the best way to live. God doesn't give it for his sake, but for our sake. And sin is not to be a law breaker, but a law maker. Making our own laws up here. I will decide how to live, thank you. What is right and what is wrong for me. So living in Cambridge, Ben decides to drive on the uh, right-hand side of the road. Guy decides to uh, drive on the left-hand side of the road. You don't need to be a genius to work out what's going to happen. It's a silly illustration, but it makes the point. Uh, No wonder our world is in such a mess when we ignore our maker's wise and loving instructions. Sin robs God of his glory. It separates us from the giver of life and condemns us to death. It is serious. So look with me at verse 5, if you would. But you know that Jesus appeared so that he might take away our sins. Down to verse 8. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God, Jesus, appeared was to destroy the devil's work. So can you see how Jesus' first appearing, his earthly life's work, was given to breaking the power of sin? Jesus didn't hang on a God-forsaken cross for nothing. In him is no sin. So how can we live in his family? How can we look across the kitchen table at him and carry on being casual about those very things, small and big, that put him there? In my better moments, uh, I ask God to help me to smell the stench of my sin 
Because you know what? To him, it really does stink. I can live with it. Verse 6. No one who lives in Jesus keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen Jesus or known him. Verse 9. No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning because they have been born of God. Now, if we mistakenly read 1 John, this letter, as a test of whether or not we're Christian, uh, we may panic at this point. Oh, no, I did this yesterday. I did that last week. I can't be Christian after all. That's not what it's saying. Because if God's law matters to you, that you want to live by it, you want to live up to it, the truth of the matter is we will all fall short Jesus has won the great battle. Satan and the power that sin holds over us has been defeated at Calvary. Our futures are secure. But for now, the fighting still carries on and we get caught up in it. And sometimes we'll mess up and behave in a way that dishonors our father and his family. So what do we do? Verse 3 again. All who have this hope in Jesus purify themselves just as he is pure. So how do you do that? How do you purify yourself? Some religious duty to pay him off? Uh, Roll up our sleeves, make extra effort? Uh, How about back over the page, chapter 1, verse 7? If we walk in the light as he, Jesus, is in the light, we have fellowship with one another And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. You see, we take a bath. We bathe in Jesus' blood, going back to the cross, remembering, thanking him for all he's done for us and asking for his strength and resolve to do right, do the right thing next time. Of course, that's what the the bread and wine that we take, that we'll share uh, together in a moment, is all about helping us to go back to the cross to remember what Jesus has done for us. We can't sit at the kitchen table, look across and see Jesus, all he's done for us, and be casual about our sin. God helps us in the battle He gives us the gift of prayer. He gives us his spirit. And wonderfully, perhaps it's something we need to learn to use more, he gives us his church. He gives us one another. And I guess in a crowd this size this morning, there will be some who feel pretty weary in the battle. Same old sins catching us, pulling us down, pattern just can't seem to overcome. Perhaps you're weary, resigned to it. So as we finish, let me just leave you with this. Uh, Someone came up to me at the end of the first service and said it was helpful. So if it's helpful to you, then wonderful. If you haven't found your way into a small group yet, uh, if you don't even know what a small group means, ask Steve, ask ask David, ask Rachel. Uh, They are a brilliant place, so important to live out Christian truth. 
So on a Friday morning, I'm part of a group that we meet here at 7 o'clock, uh, 7 till 8, group of about 20 blokes. Um, it's called MEMS, ridiculous name. I don't know why, but don't let that put you off. Uh, what we do is we seek to encourage each other from God's word to live for Jesus, to honour him, to do battle against the sinful nature. And we had a time um, a while back, we sat around about 20 of us, and I said, right, how many people know each other's name? And of the 20, there was about four people that knew the other people's name in the group. I thought, that's hopeless. We've got to get to know who we are. So what we've started to do is to, a couple of times a term, get someone up the front and just, who are you? Tell us who you are, a bit about you. I started it off uh, back in September, uh, went up the front, um, I'm Richard, a bit about my growing up, coming Christian, my family, photo, my achievements, Olympic medals, all that sort of stuff. Nice smile, Jeremy. And, um, but what I wanted to do there, and the most important thing of that morning, was I told them about my sin Uh, the things I struggle with. It wasn't X-rated, but it was probably PG. And I did that because I want to play everybody on side. I want those Friday mornings and what spills out of those Friday mornings to be a place where we as men can come along and say, you know what, I'm getting too close to a colleague at work. I've just done my tax return and I wasn't honest. I'm addicted to pornography on the internet. I'm a, I'm a miserable so-and-so in the home, not treating my family right. That is, you see, can you see how God gives us to each other to help each other in the battle with sin? Sin grows in the dark and sin kills. So it's got to be brought out into the open if it's to be put to death. And that's what I hope our small groups are about. So let me encourage you in the business, if you're a small group member, just to sort of you know, encourage that level of trust in relationships um, to say it as it is. We're all the same. Your heart is made of the same stuff as my heart. Did you know that? And I knew that that Friday morning was a good morning because of the number of texts I got that Friday, saying, thank you, Richard. You see, we need each other. We're children of the same wonderfully forgiving Heavenly Father. But we are responsible, and that responsibility extends to one another. I'm a child of God. What a privilege and joy. Think of that word, lavish. God's love is lavish. I'm a child of God. What responsibility? Let's bow our heads. Uh, Father, we, we always sing wonderful words uh, on a Sunday morning, and I think we've already sung, you see our hearts and you treat us the same. Father, wonderfully, when our hope and trust are in your Son, um, uh, the, the filth that uh, lies within and comes out is all covered by his blood. Uh, Father, we are guilty men and women. We deserve nothing from your hand, but wonderfully in Jesus, 
you lavish your love upon us. Father, please transform us day by day into what we one day will be, just like him. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.